Section 22 of Captain Cook by Walter Besant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 11. His Death. Part 4. The next morning the seamen earnestly solicited the captain that they might go on shore with their arms to revenge the death of their old commander, which he did not think proper to permit, as it was not the intention of the officers to pursue measures of that kind, for a quarrel we had principally brought upon ourselves. But perceiving they were very eagerly bent upon it, he framed an excuse to pacify them for the present, by telling them he could not possibly think of allowing it whilst the ships remained in such a defenceless state, but that in two days' time, when we had got things into a little order, they should have leave for that purpose. By keeping them thus in suspense for three or four days their rage began to abate, and it is well he did, for had he at first positively denied them, so highly were they incensed against the natives that I believe the officers would not have been able to have kept them on board. Being rather suspicious that they were assembling canoes round the north point of the bay, a boat with an officer was sent to sea, who found no appearances of any. The forenoon, a canoe with three men in her came off from the north side about halfway to the ship, where they stopped and began to throw stones toward us, in which they could not heave half that distance, they could not have any other intention but that of insulting of us. One of them all the time, very triumphantly, kept waving Captain Cook's hat over his head, till some muskets were fired at them, and then they instantly put back to the shore. Our chief object at present was the foremast, which the carpenters of both ships were working upon with the utmost expedition, making new cheeks for it out of a spare anchor-stock. In the afternoon, seeing a great number of the natives assemble upon the shore on the north side of the bay, we fired a few shot at them from our great guns which quickly dispersed them. When the old priest came on board we inquired of him concerning the bodies, but could get no satisfactory account of them, and when we asked him why they were not brought off, agreeable to the promise made yesterday, he said that they had been carried to different parts of the island, and were not yet collected together, but that we should have them the next day, which we perceived was only an excuse to keep us quiet, therefore gave over every hope of having them returned, as judging that they had otherwise disposed of them, and did not wish us to know in what manner. On the sixteenth nothing remarkable happened till about nine o'clock in the evening, when some people were discovered paddling very softly to the ships, it being quite dark, and not knowing how many there might be, two or three of the sentries instantly fired at them. Nevertheless, they persisted coming toward us, and finding there was only one small canoe, we suffered her to come alongside, when, to our great astonishment, they proved to be two of the natives, who had brought with them about five pounds of human flesh, which they told us was Captain Cook's, and that they were sent by a priest that lived on the south side of the bay, who had before always treated us with great hospitality. We learnt that he and his adherents still remained firmly attached to us, but were too few to declare it to their countrymen, which was the reason of their coming in the dark, that it might not be known. After giving them some presents, they returned to the shore, 
having luckily escaped being hurt in approaching the ship this small remains of our unfortunate commander which appeared to have been taken from the inside of his thigh was all our friend could procure for us and a great proof of his sincerity but answered no good purpose to us as the sight of it struck every one with horror and tended only to disquiet the sailors by renewing their desire to be revenged of the natives which began to wear off beginning now to be greatly in want of water we were necessitated to go on shore again at all events and endeavour to get off a sufficiency to last us to some other place accordingly in the morning of the seventeenth we sent the two launches full of casks to a small well before mentioned on the south side close above the beach with other boats manned and armed to protect them the discovery also hauled close in for that purpose we had not been long ashore before the natives began to annoy us by throwing stones from behind the houses and the well being situated at the foot of a steep hill they kept rolling large ones down from the top of it which were often near doing us much mischief to prevent this in a great measure it was determined by the officers to set fire to the adjacent houses which would not only terrify them but hinder their approaching to molest us as they then would have no shelter from our muskets therefore when the people went on shore again after dinner several of them were given port fires for that purpose when it was amazing with what alacrity they carried this scheme into execution the eagerness with which they grasped at this small opportunity for revenge being so great that the officers could not keep them in the least order for they all instantly separated and were guided only by their own impetuosity setting fire to the houses and killing the natives wherever they met with any who were struck with such terror at seeing the flames that they made off as fast as they could and it was very fortunate that they did for our people were so much scattered that had they made the least resistance they might have cut several of them off and the rest of us know nothing of it till this business was over which was in about an hour when with great difficulty we collected the people together and stopped their further progress during this they had burnt about thirty houses and had killed six of the natives two irishmen concerned in the affair extended their malice even to the dead bodies by cutting the heads from two of them which they brought down and fixed upon the stems of the boats while the houses were yet blazing we perceived a party of them coming down the hill but upon some of our people firing a few muskets at them they immediately fell flat on the ground and lay still for about five minutes they then got up and advanced slowly towards us with white flags in their hands and finding they were not very numerous we suffered them to approach us when they proved to be our friend the priest whom i mentioned last with some of his followers coming to entreat for peace for himself and his people his house being unknown to us was unfortunately burnt with the others we carried him on board the ships where we consoled him in the best manner we could and made him several presents being well convinced of his sincerity to us when the natives that came down the hill perceived the two bodies lying without their heads they set up a most frightful cry followed with great lamentation seemed to be more affected at that than anything we had done to them which must arise entirely from superstition 
i cannot proceed without mentioning an instance of remarkable courage in one of these indians who had for some time greatly annoyed the waterers by throwing stones at them from behind the rocks at last being closely pursued by several of our people he retreated to a deep narrow cave and immediately began raising a small breastwork of stones toward the bottom of it behind which he placed himself they searched all around but to no purpose and it is a doubt whether they would have found him or not had not he discovered himself by throwing stones at them the instant they appeared upon this three or four of them stepped to the entrance of the cave and presented their muskets at him and at the same time made signs and told him that if he would come out he would not be hurt when like aeneas he returned an answer with a flying stone which was followed by others as fast as he could throw them they then fired at him five or six times at which he seemed to be not in the least intimidated still persisting in throwing at them but perceiving that he was much wounded and resolved to fight to the last moment one of them rushed in upon him clapped a pistol to his breast and instantly dispatched him on examining him we found he had received no less than four balls in different parts he was a tall well-made handsome young man and had the appearance of a chief we took one of the natives prisoner that was attempting to escape in his canoe whom we bound hand and foot and put him into a boat that had the head of one of his countrymen on the stem of it in the evening the boat returned on board having got a sufficiency of water to last us to towy one of the other islands where we knew we could get plenty the officers would not permit the seamen to bring the two heads into the ship but obliged them to throw them into the water alongside the prisoner being brought upon the quarter-deck and set down bound as before everybody thronged round him as usual in such cases when it is scarce possible to conceive how strongly every sign of fear was imprinted in his countenance he was seized with a most violent trembling from head to foot his complexion which was naturally of a light copper was changed to that of a pale lead colour and he remained silent and immovable his apprehensions of death in every horrid form appeared to be so strong as not to admit of the least ray of hope in his relief and entirely deprived him of the faculty of speech by his looks which expressed the most exquisite distress he seemed to implore for mercy in a manner so affecting that it excited pity in every breast and all being desirous for it we unbound him he now thought we were going to put into execution what his fears had suggested and when we returned him his canoe and told him that he might go on shore he paid no attention to it for some time imagining we did it only to insult him in his misery by tantalizing him with what he had too great a dread upon his mind to believe but when he found we were in earnest his excess of joy was then as predominant as his fears had been before and his gratitude which he expressed in the sincerest manner was not disguised under the veil of politeness but flowed from the heart free and uncorrupted he had not been long on shore before he came off again with his canoe loaded with whatever he could procure as a present to us for which in return we gave him something of equal value this he continued to do two or three times a day and became a most faithful friend on the nineteenth the carpenter having finished the mast after great difficulty was got in 
the hawser we had reeved for that purpose being so rotten that it stranded in five or six places as we were heaving and we had no better on board on the twentieth in the morning a chief that we had not seen before came on board to negotiate a peace with us and promised to restore part of the captain's body accordingly in the afternoon captain clark with three or four boats well armed went close in shore on the south side where he concluded a peace with that chief and brought on board captain cook's head and hands which were all the remains we could possibly procure the head was too much disfigured to be known but one of the hands we were well assured was his from a wound he had formerly received in it which made it remarkable one of the natives brought about a handful of small human bones which he said belonged to the marines whom they had burnt we made several inquiries to know if they ate them but could not find the least reason to believe so for they seemed to express as great an abhorrence of such an act as any european they told us that no part of captain cook was burnt but what became of the remainder of his body we could not learn they also brought off the double-barreled piece he had with him when he was killed but they had entirely spoiled it by beating the barrels quite flat at the muzzle we could never get the least intelligence of the cutter that was stolen which was the first cause of this unfortunate affair on the twenty first some of the natives from the south side of the bay brought off provisions and began to trade with us as usual but excepting the old priest we were seldom visited by any of those on the north side who did not seem so much inclined as the others to come to a reconciliation yet from every appearance i make no doubt had we remained there but that in three or four weeks we should have been nearly upon as friendly terms with them as we were at our first coming in the afternoon we buried the remains of our much lamented commander alongside with every ceremony due to his rank whose name will be perpetuated to after ages and ever stand foremost on the list of british navigators on the twenty second the ship being rigged again and ready for sea in the morning we sailed out of the bay having no desire to stay any longer at a place where we had suffered so great a misfortune thus ended ingloriously and as the result of an ill-advised attempt at high-handed justice the life of the greatest navigator of any age i think there can be no doubt that the attack on cook was rendered possible by a strong revulsion of feeling as regards his real character king priests and chiefs were perhaps by this time ashamed of their own credulity though certainly still afraid of the captain and his men that they showed human passions and emotion ate fiercely drank freely and made love would by no means detract from their divinity quite the contrary the god of the islanders was as much a god of animal parts and passions as the god of many people much more highly civilized neither king nor priest contemplated the murder of cook but among such people a quarrel soon leads to a fight and in a fight somebody naturally gets killed on the other hand one does not know perhaps it may have occurred to some native humorist such things have been done to wonder how a god would look and behave with a spear struck right through him cook was dead in this journey he explored the unknown part of the north american coast from latitude forty three degrees north to latitude seventy degrees north that is to say 
for thirty-five hundred miles he proved the proximity of the continents of asia and america passed the straits between them and surveyed the coast on each side to such a height of northern latitude as to demonstrate the impracticability of a passage in that hemisphere from the atlantic into the pacific ocean either by an eastern or a western course in short if we except the sea of amur and the japanese archipelago which still remain imperfectly known to europeans he has completed the hydrography of the habitable globe footnote king's journal he may be forgiven a little exaggeration cook was not the first sailor in those seas nor did he discover the straits and the impossibility of a northwest passage was not quite proved and footnote end of section twenty two